0: The first thing my dad does when he gets up is go make the coffee. Okay, who wants coffee? I want some coffee. Okay, first I smash the beans, then I mix them up, and then I pour some cream, and then I heat it up, and then I drink it. Here you go. This is delicious coffee. Thank you. Next, he fixes the car. Wrench. Here you go. Oh, nail. Um, light bulb. All done. Then he probably has to fix the sink, too. Hand me a hammer. Bang, bang, bang. Hand me a pipe. Hand me a popsicle. Why do you need a popsicle? Because it's delicious. He likes to cheer at my sports games. Yeah, kick that ball. Score a basket. Goal! Then he grows the food. What are you grilling us for dinner tonight? Hamburgers. Hot dog. Mac and cheese. Cheese. Mashed potatoes. Strawberries. Raspberries. Blackberries. Mmm, sounds great. Then he prays for dinner. Thank you for our cat, thank you for our friends, and thank you for the world. The friendship never ends. Amen. After dinner, we played games. I played Uno. You want to play Uno? Sure, yep. A blue five. I have a blue two, a green two. Draw four, 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 draw four. You have to draw five thousand twenty-four cards. Then he tells me a story at bedtime. Once upon a time, there was a dragon in the castles. He is a fire-breathing dragon and an ice-breathing dragon. And they all live ever after the end. My dad always encourages me. I'm so proud of you. I will always be there for you. I love you, and Jesus loves you very much. You are a really good kid. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. You're the greatest. Yep. Thanks. Bye. See you later. Break a leg.
1: (laughs) We decided to move from the sad and contemplative Mother's Day videos that we've been doing. If you haven't heard, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you. And we hope you have just a great Sunday. And uh, God, for some reason, chose to relate to us as father. And uh, that puts a lot of responsibility on us men who take that role here. And we are so thankful for each of you who stand as fathers in the household. Uh, I'm Pastor Paul, and my wife and I, Christine, she was up here. We oversee family life here at Portview, and uh, we're so glad that you came to join us today. Uh, We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. In front of you, you'll see a card that's a Connect card. You can go ahead and fill that out. Drop that at that Welcome Center over there so we can get to know you better. Otherwise, everything's on our Church Center app. You can connect with us there. There's a QR code on the screens as well as on the chairs in front of you. And really, all of the announcements, all of our information is right there on the on the connection uh, on your phone. And so we'd love you to download the Church Center app. Also, uh, just coming up, Wednesday, June 28th, we have a PV Summer Nights. Now, during the summer, we just have CSM Youth and a time of prayer together as families uh, here in the sanctuary. That's going to be led by uh, Pastor Mark and Suzanne. And uh, please come on in and pray on Wednesday nights. But on the 28th, we're all going to come together and just have a fun night outside. And so come on out for that and uh, we're having three of them this summer. The first one, June 28th. We'd love you to be there. Ushers, if you'd come, we're going to worship the Lord with our giving today, giving our first and our best. Uh, Keep Pastor Mark in your prayers. He broke his hand this week. Uh, Perfect timing for a week of fishing, and uh, I don't know what he's going to do. I think he's just going to attach some line to the end of the cast and Do one of these, I don't know. But uh, they'll be back next week, and uh, we trust they'll have a good week of rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give unto you as an act of worship. Lord, we understand that everything we do in life, a life of obedience, a life of following you, is worship. So is our giving, Lord. So, Lord, we pray that you take these finances, and Lord, give wisdom as they are used for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your giving. Kids first through 5th grade are heading out to PV Kids and have a great day and I'll be joining you in a minute. Pastor Mitch is coming. Please welcome him.
2: Good morning. There we go. Good morning. Yes, we were just kind of remarking as Pastor Paul was relaying the information about Pastor Paul's or Pastor Mark's hand that yes, he can now truly cast as he's fishing. It's Father's Day, so get ready. I did actually prepare a couple because I figured it is Father's Day. We need to have some Father's Day jokes. So, what do you call a knight who's afraid to fight? Surrender. Okay, some of you are still getting it. Okay. I'll only do one more, at least for now. What word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it? Short. That is no reflection on my sermon, just so you know. But today we are wrapping up our series on follow, and we've been spending seven weeks looking at a variety of attributes for Christ followers. And these are qualities that we should be growing in throughout our lives. And our goal is that through this process, through following some of these attributes, we should become more like Christ in our lives each and every day. And that as we focus on these attitudes, these core principles, we will see how Jesus just continues to transform our lives. So let's quickly recap the attributes that we've covered so far. First, we learn to be with Jesus. We spend time with the one who loves us and whom we have decided to follow. Then we learn to listen. We hear his teaching and we put it into practice. We try to keep taking these things that we are hearing and implement them into our lives. We also learn to heal and we're open in that sense to the miraculous, supernatural power of the Lord at work in us and through us to see how miracles can still happen today. We learn to love. We learn to love God. We learn to love others. We even learn to love ourselves, and that we will the best for people despite what they may have done to us. Then we learned to influence, that we are working to allow God to work in us and through us so that he can attract people to himself as we just are salt and light in the world around us. And last week, we talked about learning to pray, that it is important for us to talk to our Heavenly Father, to spend time with him, speaking to him, listening to him, and even acknowledging our dependence on him. So those are the six attributes that we've covered so far. And this morning, we're going to look at the final one. And it's this, that we're going to learn to manage. And initially, you might think, manage? What in the world does that have to do with following Jesus? Well, I am so glad you had that thought. As followers of Jesus, we learn to manage our lives according to his principles rather than the principles of the world, or even our former lives. We learn to manage. We learn to orient and organize our lives to live life Jesus' way. That we are going to spend our time pursuing him and following his principles and his teaching. And so Jesus himself gives us a great overarching framework for how we should approach life as one of his followers. In Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven, 37, and 38, we read this. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So essentially, Jesus is telling us that we have one job to do that is of the highest importance. And it is essentially this, to love him with our lives. That we are to worship him and give him the honor that he is due. That as we go through the situations of life, those that are both normal and extraordinary, our highest goal is to love him with our lives. Everything we do becomes an opportunity to love him and to worship him. We can love him and we should love him with every area of our lives, including our thoughts, our bodies, our finances our words, and so much more. As Christ has invited us to follow him, he invites us to live life according to his ways. And in case you haven't realized it yet, his ways are very different than the ways of this world. But although his ways are different, he has given us such great hope and a promise of wonderful blessings as we do follow his ways. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 and 30 tells us the reality of following his ways and we can know it to be absolutely true. And he says this there, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He invites us to give up the yoke, the burden of our old life, of the ways of the world, where we are weighed down by the fallout of our sin and sin's harmful and destructive results and consequences. So Jesus invites us to give up that old yoke and to take on his, which is easy and light. It is a yoke that when we follow it, we will see that it is thriving And full in our lives. That we, as we take on that yoke, will have a life that is full. It's abundant. There are blessings that we can't even always put our fingers on as we follow him. It's life that is unhindered by destructive habits or consequences. And as we take on that yoke of Jesus' ways, we find true peace and joy and hope. And on and on the blessings come. And going along with all of this, Jesus gives us an instruction to guide us that we find in Matthew six thirty three. Some of you even know this verse. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we bring this all together, loving the Lord with our lives, taking his yoke, and then seeking him and his kingdom, we will learn to manage different aspects of our lives according to his ways. We train or discipline ourselves to do life his way. We seek to follow the principles of his kingdom. Those things that produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Those things that will be blessings not only to ourselves, but to those who are around us. And we trust in that, that his promises are true. That he will take care of us in all things. Again, as we follow his ways, we will observe over time that a change happens in our lives where we begin to reflect the character and qualities of Jesus. What a blessing that can be. And as we learn to manage our lives, we intentionally keep at the forefront the goal and pursuit of loving God. As we learn to manage our lives, we're going to do just this. We're going to intentionally keep at the forefront the goal and pursuit of loving God. This is our ultimate goal, right? To love him, to worship him, to show him off to the world around us. So we become intentional about living life his way. We don't just sit there like a spineless sponge, just, okay, I'm following Jesus, And everything's just going to kind of blow around us. We have to be intentional. We have to take those steps to follow him and to follow his ways because we trust him. We actively take those steps to incorporate his life and teachings into how we live life. And as we spend time with him and listen to his voice, we begin to discipline ourselves to follow his ways. And as we discipline ourselves like this, we begin to see the fruit of that intentionality. It may not be immediate, but over time we see such wonderful fruit coming out of our lives that we're not who we used to be. But now we're someone who has been changed by Jesus himself. We see the result of choosing to surrender to his ways and allowing the Holy Spirit to shape and transform our lives. Ultimately, we become more like him And those around us can see the difference in us. Now, let's think about a star baseball player for a minute. And I realize not everyone in here may be a baseball fan. There are some who are, and that's awesome. Some of you aren't, and that's also awesome. But I hope that you can hang with me for a minute as we just think about this. We can watch a star player, and we can be amazed at his ability to crank out home run after home run. Right? That's exciting. Well, at least when it's for your team. Right? The other the other week we went to the Brewer game. It was not so exciting because we lost. Yeah, there was not a lot of activity. Um, but we can see the star players at times do things like hit home run after home run. Or they seem to have such an easy time getting on base. Like... You're just amazed. Wow, they're always on base. What's going on? Or they're able to steal bases with ease. Like they get the jump on the pitcher, and they're at second base before the pitcher even gets it to home. Or maybe they have an easy time throwing it in from the outfield, having that perfect accuracy to throw the runner out at the plate. And everyone's excited. Yeah! We have those things that we can see and we can observe but let's consider why he's able to do all those things. He may be a gifted athlete, but his gifting alone is not going to keep him at that star level. He's not going to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time, if he just kind of is aimless about it, right? He, what we don't see is that he has chosen to pour his energy into being mentally and physically prepared he 's disciplined himself to follow a routine regimen of exercise and diet and and uh, rest. He knows that these disciplines must be undertaken and done so rightly in order to perform at a star level during the actual games. They may seem silly to us as we watch, like why would they do that? but they are essential to him to the the player so that he can do that and do it well. Because without it, he will fail. And he might fail miserably. And for, you know, the highlight reels, it might be spectacularly that he fails. And I say all this because I think the same is for us as we follow Jesus. The world around us may look at some of the practices that are lined up in his word, and they think, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Or why would you not do that? But we know that by doing these practices, we are able to experience God's best for our lives. By disciplining ourselves to choose Jesus' ways and teachings, we receive the wonderful, abundant life that he has promised and he wants to give us. And so Dallas Willard, a Christian author and thinker, says it like this, and he compares baseball to the the Christian life also. He says, A baseball player who expects to excel in the game without adequate exercise of his body is no more ridiculous than the Christian who hopes to be able to act in the manner of Christ when put to the test without the appropriate exercise in godly living. In following Jesus, we learn to manage our lives, to discipline ourselves, to live according to his teachings, So that we can show our love for him and show the world the great transforming work that he has done in us. And this becomes an outflow of our lives as we grow in all of these attributes that we've been talking about. Like spending time with God. As we listen to his voice, as we dig into his word, as we look for opportunities for him to be at work in our lives. This becomes an outflow. Of who we are. So with this as our framework, let's look at a few particular areas that we can learn to manage. That we can learn to discipline ourselves so that we live according to Jesus' way. Now, I will tell you, each of these could be full-length sermons in and of themselves. But because it's Father's Day, I'm going to spare you that. We're going to talk about a couple things and we're just going to touch on them briefly But I think they provide some high-level principles, and I can tell you, we're only going to talk about four. There are many principles that we can follow as we dig into his word and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. But let's look at the first one. It's this. Manage your mind. Christian author and speaker Jenny Allen wrote in her book, Get Out of Your Head, that The greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. The greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. And if you look around us, I think many of us will see that to be true. We constantly battle that flurry of activity that goes on in our minds. We constantly are having all of these thoughts that bombard us. Some, yes, we have to diligently have and and work through. But often, they can be debilitating. They can be so non-helpful to our lives. And the enemy of our souls wants to distract and disable us from from living the full, complete life of following Jesus. So we get bombarded by all kinds of thoughts. Now, here's the good news we do have guidance on how to overcome those thoughts that lead us in a variety of directions. The Apostle Paul gives us this spirit-led guidance in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, where he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It is true that we will have all kinds of thoughts that enter our minds. And yes, the enemy will try to induce anxiety or doubt or anger or whatever else into our thought patterns. And if he can distract us and get us down that road, Yes, we can go down that road, but we do have the ability to manage our thoughts. We can choose to think on the things that are true and pure and honorable. We can take control over our thoughts and focus them in a right direction. In 2 Corinthians, Paul asserts that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Think about that for a moment. So often, we can allow our thoughts to be like a runaway train. Right? We get on this thought cycle, and it gets out of control. It is just railroading everything, plowing over anything in its path. And it is derailing us from what we probably should be doing or need to be doing because we've got this flurry of activity going on in our minds. And these thoughts can hold us captive if they are uncontrolled because we're anxious or we're freaking out or we're consumed with doubt. But we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, take that thought captive and bind it up. We can say, stop. Homie, don't play that. Some of you get that reference. Some of you are like, what in the world? Okay? We won't go into that. But just, you can say, stop. We're not going to go down that path anymore. And I've learned that sometimes you just have to do that. You just have to... I find myself going down the crazy train of thoughts. And sometimes I just say, stop. Why am I having this thought pattern right now? Why am I thinking about this? This is a fictitious event that's happening based off of one little conversation. And now I've blown it into this huge thing that doesn't even exist. Okay, I got a couple people who are with me in this. Right? We battle our thoughts, and if we leave them uncontrolled, they will derail us. You find that you are getting angry for no reason. And you might be one of the most calm, peaceful people most of the time, but all of a sudden you have this anger, and you're just like, I'm going to go after them. You're like, wait, stop. Where did that come from? Right? Right? So we have the opportunity to take those thoughts captive, even if it is one singular thought, and we can focus instead our thoughts on Christ and believe the truth about him and believe his truth about us. The reality is you may have some horrible stuff that's happening in your life. You may be going through some terrible situations that are wreaking havoc, and it is consuming your thoughts. You may be having to deal with, okay, what are my next steps? But make sure that you are dealing in reality and not going down some crazy train. We take these thoughts captive and we reframe our perspective on the situation with God's truth. You may think the situation stinks and it may in fact stink. You may feel all alone. But if you go down that path too far, it's not going to do any good. So instead of just wallowing in the muck and mire of that, think about the truth about God. That even though you feel alone, remember, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. You can remember that the Lord is your rock and your fortress, he is the refuge that you can seek shelter in. Praise the Lord. That is just one example. So let's wrap up this area of managing your mind by quoting something from the follow book. It says, What you think about, you will become. What you dwell on is vitally important to your walk with Christ. So we must learn to manage our minds the thoughts that we have. You're going to have stray thoughts, but don't entertain them for long. Take them captive, focus on Christ, what is honorable, true, pure, etc. And let's think about him and his wonderful, righteous qualities. Let's look at another area, and that's this. Manage your mouth. Hello. I think everyone's experienced something along those lines by that reaction. As a follower of Jesus, we need to learn to manage our mouths. We want to ultimately honor him with the words that we speak. Again, we can listen to the words that the world uses around us. And they are filled with vulgarity. They're dripping with hatred and bitterness. Or they're simply spreading gossip. And that's just Facebook. <laughs> Again, you know that to be true. But as we follow Jesus, he has called us to walk, and really, in this case, to speak, according to his ways. In Matthew 12, Jesus taught about the words that come out of people's mouths. It says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad And it's fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Let me summarize it this way. Your mouth Is a barometer for your heart. The things that you are feeding into your heart and allowing your heart to settle on, that's going to come out in normal life and in those extraordinary situations. So, what are we feeding into our lives? That's what we really need to be working on. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that you say reflect what is going on inside of you. So if your heart is full of evil things, there's going to be some evil stuff coming out. The good news is, as you purposely follow Jesus and allow the good things to fill you, then good things are going to come out of your mouth. As we allow him to fill us with those good things and remove the bad things in our hearts, we should notice a change in what our mouths are speaking And I'm going to even go again to that Facebook example and even what we're we're typing, what we're posting. Before we decided to follow Jesus, we may have been filled with anger and hatred. So our speech would have been filled with profanity or words that demeaned and cut down others. But as Jesus begins to work in us, taking out that anger and hatred and replacing it with his joy and peace and love, Hopefully over time, we're beginning to see that we cuss a lot less. Hopefully zero, but less than what we were. That we're cutting down people less. And we're instead speaking encouraging and helpful words. We're learning to discipline ourselves to live all areas of our lives according to Jesus' way. And this is just one of them. Our speech. We want to honor him with our words. To love him and worship him with what we say. We watch our words so that they build up and are helpful. And we can speak words of kindness and compassion to others. We can use our words to praise the Lord our God, who has saved us and who has taken the burden of guilt and shame off of us. So we've looked at how we can manage our minds and manage our mouths. Let's look at another area that we can manage. We can manage our money. Money is very necessary in our world today, would you say? We need it. So in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. We need to buy food. Most of us already bought food for the meal that's coming in a, just a little bit. Some of us still are going to go to Costco afterwards. Who knows? But we need food. We need clothing. Thank the Lord we are all clothed this morning. It <laughs> gets really awkward when you're not. We also need to have money so that we can pay our rent or our mortgage or our utility bills. When we use those things, they're all well and good. Food, clothing, shelter, those are good things. And the Lord has provided. But Jesus has taught us a principle on how we should approach money in Matthew chapter 6, where he says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes on to say this in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus teaches that when we approach money as his followers, we should not be consumed with getting all we can. Don't make the love of money the pursuit of your lives. He takes the topic of money, and he addresses the issue of what we treasure, he doesn't want us to waste time and energy on things that are part of our journey as his follower. So don't focus on getting all the latest gadgets or toys or accumulating wealth as your sole pursuit. Because all of this stuff on earth is going to fade away eventually. It is not eternal. It's not going to last. Instead, We should focus on storing up treasure in heaven. Invest in those things that allow the kingdom of heaven to be advanced. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus lays down the principle that where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going to go. If you invest in and pursue the things of this earth, your heart is going to follow that naturally. Because you've invested your resources into that. If you invest in the kingdom of heaven and his pursuits, your heart is going to be drawn there as well. Your mind, your heart are going to be drawn to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus shows that you really can't have it both ways. You cannot serve both God and money. They're mutually exclusive. You have to choose between pursuing God and pursuing money is what he's, he's telling us. And I think we can see that to be true that we need to pursue the Lord because if we're pursuing money, that's going to completely distract us and take us off on a different path. Now I do want to say this so that it's not too confusing It is okay to work hard, to earn a good wage, and to have healthy financial resources. There is nothing wrong with that. But is that your sole pursuit in life is the question. The question revolves around where is your heart in the whole matter? Are you allowing God to transform you so that you can use the financial resources he has given you to take care of your obligations and to be generous in his kingdom? Are you bringing in the tithe, the first 10% of your income, to give to the Lord and giving even more to his kingdom work as he directs you? Or are you allowing the financial resources that you have to have a grip on your heart? Where you are consumed with money, 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 money? And what can I buy, 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 buy? Another principle from scripture calls us to live within our means. That we should not be purchasing those things that we can't even afford. We have to be diligent about that. And the Lord provides for all of our needs. But those needs may not include those flashy items, X, Y, and Z, or going to those restaurants all the time, or whatever. We had plenty of years when Amy and I first got married that we had essentially nothing. We were scraping by each week. We were making it work, but we didn't go out to restaurants very often. We didn't, you know, we had we had the, the cheap clothes. We had the things that we needed, but we didn't have a lot of extras. We were content with that. Yeah, sometimes you wish, oh, I wish I had more, or I wish I had this. But the Lord always provided, and we stayed within our means. And that's a a key principle for us as well. Let's look at one more area that we can learn to manage as we follow Jesus, and it's this. And I had to use some alliteration because everything else was manage your M word. So manage your minutes. (laughs) Like, I can't break the trend now. Manage your minutes. Each of us has been given the same amount of time in any given day or week. The clock is the same for each one of us. 60 minutes to an hour, 24 hours in a day, 7 days a week, and most years, 365 days. Every fourth year, 366. Okay, so we're getting a little technical here. God even gives us the ability to choose what we will do with that time. And because he's loving and wants what is best for us, he gives us principles to follow, which will give us a full, abundant life. In Genesis 2.15, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. You're like, really? God did that? Notice that work was a blessing. It was a gift from God for Adam. And you're like, hmm, my work ain't no blessing. But notice this as well, that God gave Adam work even before sin entered the world. Sin enters in the next chapter. So God gave us work as a wonderful thing bring purpose and value to our lives. It was a blessing, not a curse. Then in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, we read this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Not only did God give us the blessing of work, he gave us the blessing of rest. Think about it for just a moment. God, the creator of the universe, is the one who created you and me. He knows how each one of us ticks and how each of us operates and functions. He knows our physical bodies. He knows how we're wired and how we can operate at our best levels. He knows that we need work, that we need purpose for our lives. And it may not be work for financial means, but we need in a sense, something that we work at, that we have purpose and meaning, something to do. It can be the work of the kingdom, it can be things in our jobs, it can be just general things that just help to make this world, this sin corrupted world, a better place. He knows that we need work, and He also knows that we need downtime. We also need rest. Otherwise, we will burn out and fall apart. And even though it may go against our American culture, no one has tomatoes or stones, right? Okay, good. God does not want us to run ourselves ragged, thoroughly exhausted because we have overfilled and overcommitted our lives. We are not designed to work or play or both 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can work hard. We can play hard. And then we need to take time to rest and be renewed. In fact, God, in his best, sets aside for us one day a week just for rest and renewal. And if your idea of rest is just running ragged and, you know, doing all kinds of fun things, I encourage you to, yes, do those things, but also find a time where you can just sit and you can reflect. Reflect on what the Lord is doing in your lives, maybe even what you would like him to do in your life, and how you can just be in his presence. Simply to rest and reflect on him, on life, and on our journey of following him. What a blessing he has offered to us in that, that we can work and that we can rest and reflect on him. So, those are some principles that God has given to us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come onto the platform as we begin to close today. So, whether we've followed Jesus for a long time or just for a very short time, we have the ongoing opportunity to learn to manage various areas of our lives we discover throughout his word the the bible that we have principles that can guide us as we learn to orient and organize our lives to live life as jesus intended today we've looked at just four areas we've looked at managing our minds which are our thought patterns and what goes on there. We've learned about managing our mouths and what we say. We can learn to manage our money. We can learn to manage our moments and our time. And there are so many other areas that we can learn to manage. And the Lord will lead each one of us individually in those areas as we allow him to do that. And in all of it, our one goal is this. To love Jesus. We want to manage our lives because we love Jesus. And we want to follow his way, which we continue to discover is the best way. We want to love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. So as we learn to grow in managing these and other areas, our focus is on loving God. We seek to worship him. And show that love for him in how we live our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful and thankful for the love that you have shown each one of us in this room. We are grateful that you have shown your love in such a way that you would even give us your word, scriptures, where we can learn how to live life, how to live it according to your ways and to understand that when we do so, you give us the best. You help us to navigate life's situations. And so, we just ask that you would help us as we endeavor to learn to manage our lives according to your ways. Help us to learn how we can best orient our lives toward how we handle our thoughts, how we handle our words, our finances, our time. Help us, Lord, to be purposeful and intentional about those things so that you would shine forth in our lives as we spend time with you in your word, in prayer, in seeking after you. Help us to learn and grow in all of these areas. And as we do, let us grow by your strength and help. Lord, be glorified through us, your followers. May the people around us see your transforming work in our lives. And may they see the worship team is going to lead us in a song here in just a moment and I'm just going to encourage you to join in as we worship and as we just dedicate our hearts to the Lord the altars are going to be open and there will be some designated prayer team members and myself who are going to be up here to pray with you but let's just take a few moments to just reflect and just worship the lord so I'm going to invite you to if you feel comfortable stand as we as we sing and as we worship if you feel like just sitting in your chairs as well that is perfectly fine but let's just worship the lord and just dedicate our thoughts to him